Welcome to the MedTech Wealth Advisor Podcast, a show dedicated to teaching professionals and entrepreneurs in the MedTech field how to save more money, pay less taxes, and become financially independent. Join certified financial planner, professional Matthew Nelson, as he draws from years of experience and speaks with guest experts to solve the biggest challenge, aligning your money with your values, while thriving in the mission-driven world of MedTech. Hello, and welcome to the MedTech Wealth Advisors podcast with Matt Nelson. Matt, when last we visited, we talked about 401ks, and you teased this subject, which I admittedly don't know a whole lot about, and that is employee stock purchases plans, so purchase plans, excuse me. So what's up with all of that? You know, it, the, the reason I want to bring this one up next is because it's it's kind of the it, it can be another staple in the benefits package for, for okay. a lot of our listeners, but it's it's sadly it's not one that enough people use. It's it's very underutilized. I saw a survey that that uh, mentioned that something like of the publicly traded companies that offered one, half half the employees were participating, and so you know it's it's just too bad. Most people are using the four hundred one k, not enough are using the ESPP plan employee stock purchase plan. And we're going to talk about the advantages, why you should care, why that matters. And if you use it right, how it can be a pretty good piece of your financial portfolio. Well, it sounds kind of obvious what it is, but maybe maybe there's something missing. What is what that I'm missing on this side? What is it? What right. is it? ESPP. Okay. So not to be confused with just a, a, a direct purchase plan where you just simply purchase company stock through through payroll with no other features. Yeah. A, a true employee, an ESPP plan, true employee stock purchase plan, usually offers some sort of discount on the purchase. The purchases are done at regular intervals throughout some periods that are defined by the company. And if you're lucky enough to have something called a look back feature, you're, e- you're even able to look backwards to where the price was prior to the day it was purchased if that price was lower. So there's a whole bunch of benefits to using the plan that mostly amount to you getting company stock at a much cheaper price than the going rate. That's really the easiest oh, way to describe it. Okay. Now, on on top of that, there's several tax benefits. There can be some tax benefits depending on how you use the plan, how long you hold the stock that you own and so forth. But the real challenge challenges, there's some complication with how, just how to use them in, in general, which is, I think, why the participation rate is low. There's some cash flow challenges. How, where do you come up with the money? How do you get it in there? Once you have the money in, how do you access the stocks? Should you sell them right away? Do you already have too much stock in your portfolio, et cetera? So we're going to just kind of run through those, those items. Let's start with the, as you asked, like, what is an ESPP? I kind of gave you the, the initial a verbiage of that. So yeah. let's just talk about how they work. There's, I mentioned the basics, but let, but a couple of terms that are key here. Once you've determined you're eligible to participate, and of course you just look up, you know, in your HR docs and, and see if you meet the criteria, then you are able to set up in an enrollment period. So it's a period of time where you get your account set up, make your payroll designations and get ready for the purchasing periods, the offering periods. After you're all enrolled, 
uh, the company will have set aside a time they call an offering period. It can be up to 27 months, but more commonly we would see, let's say a 12 month period. And that period is the, is the time when uh, you're going to have money pulled from your paycheck and make purchases into the company stock. Now, the dates that the stock get purchased are defined by what's called the purchase periods. So throwing a lot of terms at you here, but the offering period might be 12 months. Within the offering period, there may be two separate purchasing periods. So maybe on June 30th, and then again on December 31st. So if you just picture this in your head, you've decided to set aside 10,000 a year from your payroll to purchase company stock. Starting on January 1st, let's say if that's the date that the offering period starts, companies start pulling that money out of your out of your paycheck, set gotcha. it aside in, in an escrow account mm-hmm. and be ready for that June date when they'll make the purchase of stock for you. Oh, and after okay. that purchase happens, process starts all over again and another purchase is made uh, on the second purchase date. Oh, interesting. Why do companies offer this kind of plan? You know, it kind of started back, there's a couple of different reasons. I mean, one was really, it was a benefit for the companies accounting wise, because they could, they could more or less provide a little extra compensation to employees through a discount in their stock purchase, Okay, but not have to book that as an expense uh, that was kind of, would be like an earnings hit. You know, if they're a publicly traded company, more of that they could avoid, the better it uh, it looked in there from an accounting end. But it also encouraged just company, you know, just ownership of the stock by employees. And, and of course, as as you have a little bit more loyalty to your company and you feel like you can improve the share price and you own some of that stock yourself, um, it just contributes to the company's bottom line and, and creates a good culture. It it really is just a way to sort of push equity compensation, mm. which is mm-hmm. often reserved mm-hmm. for the executive management level down to kind of the everyday, you know, the everyday employee. Yeah, yeah, no. Interesting. I know you're going to get into how this works, but I'm curious because I just have to ask this while we're talking. Do private companies offer this or is this, or is this just a publicly traded company kind of you thing? Know, most of the time it's publicly traded companies. There was a time we'd say that it was only publicly traded companies because they were more liquid. They're, the stock markets could kind of handle yeah. the process of it. But what we're seeing actually in the last few years is that private companies are thinking about adding or they are adding this to their benefit mix. It's just not very common. Oh, interesting. So what we're talking about here, whenever I go over these examples, would be for big publicly traded companies. Um, okay. Yep. So those are some of the terms. Now, what I didn't define yet was the the best part about this, which is the discount level and yes. then a look back period. So we need to understand those terms. So the whole point of doing this is, you, you, I mean, you could just go out and buy the stock in a in a brokerage account if you wanted to own your sure. company's stock. The point of operating with this plan is through your payroll deduction you'll get it at a discount. And so that discount frequently is 15%, but it can range. It could range. You might, your company might offer only a 5% discount, or maybe it's a 10% discount. 15 is pretty common, but it's the maximum that can be offered. So number one, that's a pretty big deal. Immediate 15% discount. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's huge. And even better if you are able to look back and purchase it at a price that was lower than the current date that they're doing the purchase on. So let's just give you an example. Let's say on January, the price is uh, $10 a share. And that's when this offering period starts of your plan. Your purchase period runs for six months. So your money's been set aside to purchase. On June 30th, company goes to purchase the stock. 
prices $15 a share at that point. If your company, if your plan has a look back provision, not only do you get a 15% discount, but you get to look back at the $10 per share price and take 15% off of that number. Oh, nobody can see me, but I'm shaking my right. head. Well, what? what? It, it, when people ask me about this plan, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of as simple as saying like, look, if, what if I told you I would give you, what if I told you, if you gave me $8,500, I'd go ahead and give you $10,000 back. Like, and then we could do that every six months. I, I'd be in on that. <laughs> probably, probably interested. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the real value of these, of these plans and why everybody really should be looking at participating in them. So the, the trick is, and, and, you know, a lot of our listeners might actually know the basics of how these plans work. So some of this wasn't new, but where it gets nuanced is as we get into some of the tax benefits, a lot of confusion out there about the tax benefits. Okay. The biggest item to, I guess the way I could simplify it is that if you meet the required holding period, mm-hmm. so you've bought the stock and you meet the required holding period, more of your gain, more of your, the return is going to be taxed at long-term capital gains rates and less of it at regular income rates. So let's just start there. Okay. Income rates, like your paycheck rates. Okay. So they're going to, they can go all the way up in the 30s percent wise, depends on what you're earning, 40% or more. Capital gains rates might be 15%. So the spread is usually very, very significant between paying long-term capital gains rates versus income rates. And that's the big advantage. However, I think too much emphasis maybe gets put on that. So it's, it can be an advantage, but I think uh, this is where it's, there's some, some confusion. Clients will get hung up on whether they need to hold their stock long enough to qualify for, for this aspect. To define that just a little further before I move on, so people can remember, in order to qualify for that preferential treatment, you have to hold your stock for at least a year from the purchase date and two years from the start of the offering period. And that's really the one that that trips people up. They think long-term capital gains rates come after I own my stock for one year. Therefore, I only need to own my stock one year after it was purchased in the plan. That really creates some challenges. Uh, it, it, it creates an effect they weren't they weren't <laughs> expecting. Yeah, no kidding. No, it's interesting because you know my, the way my mind works is, and you address this is that you know. So they, I bought the stock and I got a really, I got a sweet discount on it. Can I turn around and sell it immediately? The answer to that is no. You know, no, I've got to, I've got to continue to hold on to it. Well, and- let me st- let me stop you there, Bill. That actually, I hadn't gotten into it yet, but it's a great segue. <laughs> oh, okay. The advantage. So when we when we talk about, I was giving examples of being able to purchase at a discount. Yeah. Talked about the 15% discount and you have this immediate built-in return. I mean, of course, that's only a potential return until you sell it. Exactly. Now, the way to optimize how to use these plans would be to sell it right away, just like you were mentioning. So that would be that would be optimal. The caveat is not all plans let you do this. Quite a few do, but you have to be careful. You have to not be banking on the fact that you can sell it right away. However, let's just do a quick example. If you could take part in a plan yeah. where you were able to buy your stock at a 15% discount and immediately sell it after the purchase, it would turn out to be a little over a 17% gain for you, just the way okay. the math works. You bought something at 850, it has to grow 17.6% to get back up to 10. So that's an immediate gain. 
it's theoretical gain until you sell it. Like I said, most plans let you, or a, a significant number of plans let you sell it right away. Some okay. might have a blackout period of a year. And so you need to consider that, where that comes. But there, there's a big difference between a short-term capital gain tax and a long-term capital gains tax, right? There is. Yeah. Short-term capital gains, less than a year, and that gets treated at as the same as income rates do. Yeah. So it's much more expensive. But again, back to the tax section, that it the, the most important piece if you want preferential tax treatment with ESPP plans is you have to hold your stock price for a year from purchase and two years from the start of your offering period. So it doesn't mean you have to hold it that long. It just means if you don't, your tax treatment is a little bit different. Gotcha. We'll get into kind of how to use them in a second from strategy, but but keep all those aspects in mind from a timing okay. standpoint, from the tax standpoint. So what we're going to talk about next is the challenges and pitfalls. So the what you want to think about is these plans have a lot of benefit, but there's only so much money to go around. Um, <laughs> you know, we. You mean you mean money's not infinite? It's not infinite. Yeah, and in the last episode, we were talking about four hundred one ks, and I was trying to tell listeners that you know, well, let's see if we can max these things out. Let's get to the to the maximum you can put in, including yeah. including the extra features, right? And so, if you're listening to that, you're thinking, well, how am I gonna how am I gonna fit money in here? Well, there's different ways to to do that, and so one way to find the money to defer would be to use outside outside savings or maybe brokerage account money, money that's okay. not in a retirement account. You might consider using some of that to fund your daily purchases so that you could then defer more of your paycheck into a plan like this. Sure. That would be one way to do it. Another way would be utilizing some of your stock option income. So a lot of our employees have restricted stock units. Those might come due at a regular cadence, maybe some stock options. Think about using that type of compensation to replace your your expenses bucket, what you spend, and then you're allowed to defer more of your paycheck on a regular basis. So that could help find the cash, but it can be kind of difficult to understand how much is going in. So and 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 the impact on your on your paycheck. So one reason is you got to keep in mind that when you declare an amount to defer, let's say you decide I'm going to save ten thousand dollars to the plan. Okay. It's done after tax. So it doesn't reduce your income like it does with a 401k plan. Yeah. It's a true $10,000 off of your already net paycheck. So you pay your taxes and then you get your net paycheck. Sounds kind of obvious when I say it out loud, but when you get your first paycheck after you like set up a deferral of, of 10%, it has a, a much bigger kind of impact and you got to be ready for it. It's also kind of difficult to hit the maximum. So I didn't mention this yet, but there, there, like 401ks, there is, there is a maximum set of how much you can put into these plans. It's not as straightforward. It's actually kind of complicated, uh, but in general, it's 25,000 of stock okay. can be purchased per year based on the share price at the beginning of your offering period. So because there's some moving parts, the share price changes throughout the year. From the, from the start of your offering period. And sometimes your plan has a look back feature and so forth. You don't often hit that exact kind of $25,000 level. You don't peg it the same. You also, you're subject to some deferral limits. So a lot of companies, we'll see, we'll see companies usually limiting what you can put into these plans to about 10% okay. of your uh, salary. 
So, you know, you already have to be making 250,000 or more to get that 25,000 max. Yeah. Yep. yep, Exactly. Just different things to consider in in how you go about it. Where unlike, um, you know, with the 401k, often those limits are much higher. You might be able to defer 75% of your salary. So you could really just max that out. Now, a couple tax mistakes I want to point out. Plans have Mm -hmm. all these benefits, feels like you're making free money along the way. Tax mistakes you have to be careful of. Talked about the uh, like selling it too early and thinking it was going to work a little differently than it did. But there's also a, a, a significant amount of reporting you have to be careful about. So unlike when you just invest in a stock in your brokerage account and then you sell it and your brokerage firm just sends you a 1099 at the end of the year and it's got every bit of information on it you need, yeah. doesn't quite work like that in these plans. No? <laughs> there's there's a lot more moving parts. And you'd, you'd think it would be simple because it's part of your company's- uh, No, benefit. I immediately thought this could be complicated. To be yes. <laughs> You're smart to think that. We see so many more, more mistakes on this aspect of tax planning than, I mean, than a lot of other areas, I'll be frank. Yeah. So you're going to get some amount of tax reporting on a W-2. They'll show the income you owe. There's another form that your company offers called the 3922, specific to just these kind of plans. Your broker is going to get you a 1099B to report the transactions. And you also might need to look for a supplemental 1099. So usually when we have clients participating, we're asking for all their data and we're looking at their statements to make sure they didn't make any mistakes. Okay. Now, I don't want to... All that, those are all kind of the mechanics. And I want to get into really a little bit more important aspects of like, what do you do with all this? Like what what are really the risks and what are some strategies to kind of maximize them? All right. The big risk, even though it's, it's, again, it sounds real attractive to, hey, purchase your company stock at a significant discount. If you don't pay attention, you can get easily get overexposed to just one, one stock. So think about if you are getting stock compensation, like restricted stock, maybe some stock options, maybe you're purchasing stock in your company plan, or you've been getting a match in your company plan. And then you start using the ESPP plan and you don't sell right away. Uh, You could end up with a lot of exposure to one company. Yeah. Not quite all your eggs in one basket, but the balance of your investments are going to be off. That's right. That's right. Now, and so- Let's just say you manage that. You work with an advisor or on your own to kind of determine that uh, you, you really want to just utilize the plan for the discount um, on the purchase. You want to sell it right away if your plan allows you to do that. And um, you, you say, well, then there's no risk, right? I'll just sell it right away. Well, that's mostly true. Keep in mind that there's still a little risk. Like there, there's not always instantaneous transfer of the stocks from the company to your brokerage account to be able to sell. Usually that's not too big of a risk, but I have seen disclaimers on on you know fidelity statements saying it could be two or three days. So just keep in mind that's the company stock could theoretically move against you a little bit. So that's the and then and I guess the last one is again, if you went into the plan thinking you were gonna sell right away and come to find out it doesn't allow you, plan doesn't allow you, and you've got all this money tied up. So that's something to look out for. Yeah. So Probably the most important thing we need to talk about here is just how does it fit into your financial plan? You know, all of the all the aspects above about the taxes and different choices you have to make, all that should really be superseded by the goals part of the discussion. So we need to determine what is the goal of using this plan? What how does it fit into the overall 
planning picture to your portfolio? Is it a way to save up for a shorter term uh, purchase, like let's say a house? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're needing to build up a treasure chest for you know something four or five years from now that you're going to launch a new company or you know join a private company. Maybe you need to pay off debt. That's something that's on the horizon. You could actually use this plan to kind of help facilitate those types of goals as well. Let's talk about how that would work. So after we've looked at with our clients, after we looked at the bigger picture, mapped out everything that we're trying to do, we may actually use this saving strategy to set aside dollars, get a discount on the purchase. As soon as we're able to sell, if the plan allows, sell that stock, set that aside in a brokerage account for that that purchase start the process again on the next purchase period. You've just netted a return and then you take that out and diversify it into um, another portfolio. But another way to handle it would be just to simply take the earnings out. So you might actually set aside 10,000, hit the purchase price, net your discount amount and sell the stock, take the 10,000 and recycle it back in to start using for for day-to-day expenses so that your payroll can be deferred and buy more stock. At that point, you could take the earnings you just made, take that and pay down on the debt or set that just the earnings aside for the goal that you have coming up. Hmm. So you just need to think kind of outside the box of how how to use the strategy. You don't have to leave it in the company stock and you don't have to just recycle it. Oh, great. There's a lot of different strategies here. It is really interesting. And I said, going into this, you know, I, the, this is something I don't know a lot about. So this is an, an interesting conversation. It does strike me, however, that this is a, an interesting benefit that it would behoove somebody to sit down and talk with their financial advisors about, because there seem to be a lot of different things here. There are, as you mentioned, a lot of moving parts. There is. It, it's a plan that definitely has benefits, but it definitely, as you said, has moving parts that need to be mapped out. I think the biggest one's the impact on the cash flow and the tax mistakes that you, you're running into. But if you use them correctly, I mean, I think you can really add to your portfolio and be able to fund other aspects of your financial plan. So I'd encourage you to sit down with either a tax advisor or your financial advisor, make sure that it fits into the rest of what you're doing, the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But definitely don't, you know, don't miss out, like check in and see if your company has it available. See if you can maximize it if possible. That's great. I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but it's like, how do I do that? Do I do that through the benefits department or, you know, I mean, is is this in that big thick book of things that you get for working here or where do I find this information? You know, a a company like Medtronic or United Health Group, they're going to have, as you mentioned, a big benefits booklet that's going to say that there's an ESPV plan available. Most of the time, I'll just see it listed as a short blurb, short paragraph, and you will have to log on to your company's HR site to kind of dig in to see how to enroll. You might not, you might be in the middle of, very likely you'll be in the middle of an offering period. So you won't be able to start immediately, especially if an offering period is a a year long, you may have to wait until the next enrollment window comes around. Mm -hmm. It's something you need to kind of start early on and get ready for, have the strategy in place. But yes, you'll be able to see it in your benefit booklet call HR. If we have time, I might just give you two examples of I had prepared for the show. I did some research just to see a couple of local companies and how different they are. Yeah, no, why. I think that would be instructive actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think because it, it, it does help to see why it really matters 
to understand the terms. So company in town here, they're two, I'll, I'll, I'll leave them unnamed for the time being they're okay. both in the medical space, med tech space. One of the companies allows employees to enroll every quarter. So more frequent enrollments. That's All good. Right. Get started quicker. They can contribute from two to 10% of their pay. So it's capped at 10, but you have to start at two. You can't, you have to commit a certain amount. Yeah. To, yeah. Now the purchases are done every quarter. So every three months, new stock is purchased, but you get a 15% discount. So that process I talked about, you're able to actually make four purchases a year, but each one of them at a 15% discount. So that sounds pretty good. That sounds good. Yeah. Here's the caveat though. This company has a one-year blackout period. So it's an example where you can't sell right away. Otherwise, that'd be fantastic. Every every three months, you'd be purchasing a 15%, <laughs> turn it over, do it again. Yeah. So you do have to keep that in mind because if you have a one-year blackout, we want to look at the price history of that company stock. Is it something we're willing to stomach? How much are we going to build up in company stock if we have to hold it for a full year on a rolling basis? Is it going to be worth it? The other example, quite different. You can only enroll two times a year. The contribution level is one to 10%. So that's not that different, but there's only two purchase periods and you only get a 10% discount. So that could be a difference. It sounds like it's not as good of a plan because you only get a 10% discount. However, there's no blackout period. So now in this case, very different use case. You, You may actually be able to twice a year, take the stock that you purchased, carve off your 10% discount, pay the income tax on that, just be prepared to pay the income tax, pocket that money or recycle it and do it again. So to your point earlier, this is the kind of the kind of work that you need to do, you know, no matter what company you're at, is really understand how the company plan works, dig into does it fit to what your goals are, and then decide if you want to participate. It's not for everybody. I know I'll bore people to death with that. No, no, I don't think it's boring at all. I think I think it's actually quite interesting. And what I'm suspecting here, you know, from this conversation that there is that they're probably going to be at least one or two people who maybe want to have a further conversation with you. If not, if they don't have a financial advisor and and they're listening to you and think, maybe I should talk to this guy. How would how would those folks get a hold of you, Matt? Well, you can start on our website. Website address is perspective6group.com. So the the number six, perspective6group.com, there will include a link to a piece that we have that explains whether or not your, it's a flow chart that explains whether or not your stock purchase would be taxable or not, because it's okay. so complicated with the ESPP plan side. In the show notes, I think we'll also include a link to, to a couple of places of Fidelity and then Global Shares that have very nicely laid out explanatory pieces on their websites mm-hmm. of how these plans work. So start at our website. If you want to give us a call, feel free to do that. 952-225-0333. Love to hear from you. Happy to give you a second opinion if you've got questions. That's great. Thank you, Matt. And our last thank you, of course, goes to our listeners, the MedTech community, as it were. Thank you so much for listening. If you are not a subscriber, become one. It's easy. There's a button. Hit subscribe. That way you won't miss another podcast. I don't know if you thought far enough ahead yet, Matt. Do we know what we're going to talk about or explore in the next one? Yeah, I think we're going to actually continue through the the benefits feature chain and get a little more complex with restricted stock units. And so as we just move up the line, um, at some point we'll want to explore uh, stock options as well. So I think that's what's on on the docket. Sweet. And another reason to hit the subscribe button. On behalf of Matt Nelson and everybody at MedTech, 
Wealth Advisors. Thank you for listening. I'm Bill Tucker reminding you, don't wait. Live your best life on the only day you have today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the MedTech Wealth Advisor podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.perspective6group.com or give us a call toll free at 888-591-9770 or locally at 952-225-0333. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Osaic Wealth, Inc., and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Investment advisory, insurance, and financial planning services offered through Focus Financial, Inc. Securities offered through Osaic Wealth, Inc. Member, FINRA forward slash SIPC. Osaic Wealth is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services mentioned here are independent of Osaic Wealth.